Education is the key to success. Go to school, get a job, and live a good life. That is the African dream. And Jay, is it just me or someone light to the masses? People are on these streets carrying their entire alphabet of degrees, and yet they are living hand to mouth. No one is questioning what are we learning? Why are we learning it? What is education? And what is success? Let's not forget, there's also a growing number of people with special and varying needs who do not even have access to basic education. I have to ask, is education in Africa broken? My name is Tebo Hakangota III. Join me every week as I sit down with experts, educators, parents, and students to talk about the state of education on the African continent. It's a lot. Welcome to the Educated Africana. Today we are talking about something very important, something that um, involves all of us as a society and especially as women. I am with Namutula, Agnes and Wendy who are going to share a little bit on period poverty. Now I must say the first time I heard this term, I did not understand what it meant. And is it period like time? What exactly is period poverty? So I'm going to jump right in and ask Agnes. Agnes, what is period poverty? So uh, period poverty, I would say this is uh, the lack of access to uh, sanitary products, uh, a lack of information on how to take care of yourself when you're on your periods, and a lack of wash facilities, that's water, sanitation, and hygiene facilities. So that's uh, what pure poverty is. Nice, short and sweet. How does it affect people? Who does it affect? Is there specific people that it affects? Um, Namutula, would you like to answer that one for us? Who does it affect? Uh, generally, it affects every woman. Um, in a nutshell, it affects a nation because it has socioeconomic implications. Um, it affects us all in different terms. A young girl will probably miss school because she's not able to access uh, uh, sanitary pads or tampons or whatever it may be that she uses. It could also be that a school does not have uh, wash facilities, like Agnes has said. In terms of um, a grown woman, it could mean that she doesn't have pads and so she cannot go to work, or maybe she doesn't have access to perhaps medication that will help her deal with cramps. So her productivity is therefore affected in that manner. But also, generally, it affects everyone, it affects a nation because when production hours are not met, it simply means the uh, a company and the country at large has have missed um, revenue that they could have used for other social protection uh, means. But it also means that even our main folk, they are affected because they need to provide for their daughters, their husbands, and their sisters. So um, it affects each one of us. The only thing is it affects in different ways and at different levels. Right. 
everybody is affected. It's our story, all of us. Wendy, how are you affected by period poverty? And, or rather, do you know anybody who is close to you who is affected by period poverty? Thank you so much, Tevo. Um, so thank you for the word close, because uh, actually most of my work, if not all of it, involves me working with young girls or just girls and women in particular. So, so yes, there's quite a lot of, of um, close people to me that I know are very much affected by period poverty. Would you like to give an example of how they are affected? Is it the lack of facilities, the lack of resources? How are they affected? Yeah, so there's quite a number of factors that actually affect them um, in terms of period poverty. And like, um, like my colleagues have already alluded to, uh, most of it is actually in terms of wash um, um, services. And you'll find that uh, most of them have <laughs> no access to proper bathrooms in, in their schools and to make it worse even in their homes. And um, you'll find that most of the times this is a young girl or a young woman who is simply only living with maybe their uncle or their male cousins, you know, or their grandfather. And it becomes really hard for them to, and even if they have to access water, for example, they'll have to walk long distances to draw water. So if they have to bathe, for example, it becomes very difficult. And then you find that most of them are using pit latrines and if they have to dispose of their pads, um, they don't have a proper place to dispose them. Um, and even if they have to, most of them don't even have um, sanitary pads or sanitary towels. So you will find that maybe they just have their underwear on or simply they don't even have any underwear on. So there's, there's a lot of factors, you know, um, ranging from distance to just inaccessible you know, water sources and, and, and bathrooms and so on. And like you touched on inaccessibility, which just leads straight into my next question. And I'm going to direct it to you, Agnes. How inclusive is our school facilities, especially for the girl child who gets to go on their menstrual cycle every month? Are we still stuck at only educating the boy child, our infrastructure is still that of only having boys going to school. How inclusive is our schools or are our schools? So I will give an example of where I work from. So I work from Rufunsa District. So in Rufunsa District, most of the schools lack proper wash facilities. A toilet is supposed to be used by both boys and girls. So if a girl is on her periods, most definitely she won't go to school for five days or more because she, uh, the facilities are not uh, able to give her a dignified period. There's poor lighting, maybe there's no water. So I'm, I think we're still mainly focusing on the boy child. The boy child can still go to school. The boy child can you know, use the bathroom, even if she, he doesn't need to maybe wash his hands. But then like when a girl's on her period, she needs, she needs water. She needs uh, proper lighting in the bathroom. She needs a bin, sanitary bin where they can dispose of their pads. Even schools in uh, Lusaka, I have been to some schools where there are a lot of girls, a secondary school with a lot of girls, and then only two toilets are working, two. 
So this is from grade eight to grade 12. And so you can only imagine how dirty the facilities are. So some girls would rather stay home and, and like just go to school. So I think we're really not paying attention to that, to that fact, the wash, the wash is really suffering. The water, the sanitation hygiene, there's still a lot that needs to be done in our schools. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. There's still a lot to be done. I wonder where we can begin and whose responsibility is it? Just in that, I'm just thinking to, like just a few steps forward. Um, in Zambia, there's something called Mother's Day. Now, this day is not really practiced by everyone, especially private sectors. Um, Namutula, can you just elaborate a bit more um, if you do have the, the background or just the idea of what Mother's Day is and or what was the intention of having Mother's Day? I can say for sure, South African, we don't have Mother's Day. So if you can just elaborate on that day. Oh, wow. It's, it's unfortunate that you don't have it. I actually feel sad because we've been talking about it and trying to get word out there to really show the importance of Mother's Day. So uh, in a nutshell, Mother's Day was um, initiated because of period poverty. One aspect of period poverty being uh, taking care of yourself as a woman, because you know, women sometimes have uh, heavy flows or they get to have really bad cramps. And that's how uh, Mother's Day came about. So a woman can stay away from work and just try as much as possible to manage her peace in a, a better way. Um, I think that's what I would say. Uh, and yes, not every not every sector, not every nation practices Mother's Day, which is quite unfortunate. But we have seen certain countries make a lot of strides, like Spain, where women are allowed to be away from work and they call it period leave. But um, yeah, it's a day at a time, a nation and uh, a company at a time. I, I wish I had Mother's Day, guys. <laughs> but anyway, um... Wendy, I know you work a lot with um, some projects and I just want to go into how do we begin to help? I am a teacher. I don't make so much money. I am a regular person, an everyday person. I have seen sanitary pad drives. Some look suspicious. You're wondering, do they reach students or are they sold or what happens? Some look very convincing, especially the ones that um, promote sanitary pads that are not disposable. Those look more um, legit in the sense that, you know, going back to would you rather give them fish or teach them how to fish? So, Wendy, just your perspective on that one. How do we help? Yeah, thank you, Devo. Ah, it's it's a lot of work, first of all, because I think for for the longest, uh, for time in memorial, uh, so very less attention has been given to a girl child, you know, as an individual, especially where period is concerned. So you'll find that, like you said, you know, I'm working on different projects and I've had the, the opportunity and privilege to work on different projects. Um, it's funny how you go into the remotest part of the country and you actually discover that some girls don't even know what it means to, you know, use a pad when you're on your period. Um, some of them are taught to just sit in sand until the blood stops coming out. And, you know, there's so many weird stories. I know, I know. <laughs> and, you know, much as that is extremely sad, I, I feel, you know, 
what can be done coming to your question i feel the most important and first step has to be you know there's need for a mindset change um especially because period poverty is mainly um affecting uh young girls and families that are experiencing poverty you know um i can i can assure you that period poverty and you know menstrual hygiene management as a whole is not really affecting people that are able to um afford sanitary pads and afford you know the basic uh, needs you know that have to do with wash so so yeah the most most of it if not all of it is actually affecting those that are experiencing poverty so i believe mindset change which i i i in my opinion i would suggest would have to do with a lot of information sharing you know just disseminating um this information and first of all it has to be you know tri trickle down for, to household level because you can't come from Lusaka or from South Africa and you want to go to um a rural area in Zambia and then tell them you know it's really important for you to use pads it's really important for you to have access to clean water for this child to bath and everything because it's 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 really difficult for them to just take your your story or whatever you're telling them the information you're giving them as gospel truth i mean for many years they've lived like that you know so there are also so many different issues and mm -hmm. and um lies you know for lack of a better term that surround uh period menstrual periods in in itself so so minds mindset shift mindset change into the positive lens um would be the first step instead of just taking pads to people because i've worked on projects where you're donating condoms for example and people tell you no condoms give us cancer condoms there are all these um stories that you know just are formulated to you know to just disturb the 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 whole purpose the main purpose as to why you're doing this so it's worse for pads anyway because it has to do with young girls or girls or women using it you know in from using their private parts and and so on and so forth so until you know pads will make you lose your virginity pads will make you lose your your ability to you know to childbearing and and so on and so forth so many stories so i think mindset change for starters so that people are well informed especially families because these are families that are raising and nurturing young girls and it matters the information that they are you know they they are fed while they're being nurtured the environment in which they're growing up because i can't come from lusaka or south africa wherever i am and then you know chip in once in a while and give this information leave pads and everything else that is needed i think someone who's there with them every day someone they're looking up to someone they can emulate from should be able to feed this information um to them and i think that will help with you know just changing the mindset in a whole Thank you so much, Wendy. I think what I picked up from there was basically just building relationships with um, community leaders or village leaders, elders who can relay their message. Because I can just understand, for me, a South African coming foreign language and telling people how to do what, and as much as I may want, I may come with the utmost kindness and concern, that relationship needs to be built from the ground up before um, you can share such um, assistance. Agnes, now we have these young children who are starting their menstrual cycles and there's a stigma around it and there's no resources and everything else that goes in that pot. How does it end up affecting their schooling? Okay, so thank you. 
Uh, it affects the schooling in so, so many ways. Uh, first of all, if they use unsafe materials. So this is a young girl who has just started her periods. She has no idea how to take care of herself. So there is no uh, proper information on how she can take care of herself when she's on her periods. And she does not have access to safe sanitary pads to end up using unsafe materials. So this may lead to some infection, some health issues that will keep her away from school. She will get sick and she won't go to school. And then other than that, there's the issue that, uh, is it Wendy mentioned, uh, where you have to stay home. There are some that actually you stand, yes, until you're done with your periods. So you miss out on school. And what does that do? It will affect your performance at school so you're not going to do well and in the long run you may drop out of school and then the other one um would be they'll also get depressed because of the stigma you know the stigma people laughing at them people bullying them then they will be depressed uh they will not perform very well at school that a girl who used to be very active even at home very productive they'll tend to shy away you know and be sad to have affect um, their lifestyle and also uh, they will keep away from extracurricular activities you know like playing sports you know building uh, healthy relationships with their peers uh, so yeah it's, it really does affect their schooling and it's, it's I think it's one of the largest contributors to like dropping out of school for the for the girl child. And I guess this ends up just being a ripple effect because when you have an uneducated girl child who, you know, for whatever reason, ends up dropping out, uneducated, grows up, becomes a young adult, the poverty cycle doesn't really stop. It continues. You know, how do we help this situation? I just want to touch a bit more, Namutu, on the stigma that is with, firstly, getting a period. It's unbelievable that even today we still have a bit of stigma, especially of um, the ones who are starting. You know, when you start to get your period, if I can give my own example, when I got my period, the very first day I got toilet paper and that's how I went to school. Not because of what my mom taught me or did not tell me, just because, you know, getting your period was also paired with uh, being promiscuous, somehow they are aligned. How do we get rid of this stigma that is so unnecessary on a natural occurrence? Namutula? Yes, Tavoho. I, I guess a lot of us rode on uh, instincts when we had our first periods. Most of us used uh, tissue and quite a number of us did not even want to tell our parents or our guardians. It's unfortunate that that is still happening. Um, however, coming to your question, what we really need to do is dispel the, the, the myths that are surrounded with uh, periods. We need to go back to the drawing board. We need to involve uh, all stakeholders, such as uh, traditional leaders. We need to come, uh, in, just involve everyone and change the narrative to really dispel uh, the myths. We need to involve uh, even political leaders. We need to involve teachers, the whole educational system. Our children take uh, more time at school than at home. And ultimately in the household as well, we need to have open conversations with our children to prepare them for all the stress that comes with periods, the anxiety. But also when we talk about education, it shouldn't just be the girl child that we are teaching about periods. 
we should also include the boy child because half the time the bullying and the stigma comes from the boy child so they'll be taunting especially where a girl maces her dress or her skirt at school there's going to be a lot of taunting from the boy child because they haven't necessarily understood the dynamics of periods they uh, they have this shame that has been put, uh, that has been attached to periods. So a lot of correct information sharing, because yes, information has been shared, but the information is not correct. It's information that is riding on stigma, it's enhancing these myths. All these grandmothers have said what they've said about periods. They've told us a witch has visited in the night. I remember watching a movie that said the red witch so I really, I really believe uh, uh, raising awareness, really creating sensitization and open conversations will dispel a lot of these, um, a lot of these myths that are that are attached to periods. I, I was actually very happy when um, I was, as away, I was out of her, out of my house when away from home when uh, my daughter called and said she had started her periods and she said it quite calmly i thought back to my first time and i actually hid it from my mother because of all the shame that had been attached to it but because we have all these conversations now we can see that there is a bit of a mind shift but it isn't so much because the mind shift is happening more in the urban area areas not in the rural areas uh we went to a rural area one time and um we really had to involve parents as well as we were giving their children these sanitary pads because they believed that uh, whoever gives you a sanitary pad is going to draw blood in the night you know from your used sanitary pad yes so there are all these myths and the reason for the for witchcraft and yeah so spreading correct information about periods will really help us a lot you so much from the stigma stems from fear you know we we come up with so many it could be this it could be that they become part of our culture part of our traditions and that just really needs to stop and i like what you said there that we need to continue having more conversations and the truth of the matter is they are going to be very uncomfortable because these conversations are going to be with people who don't want to have the conversation. So uh, just moving forward with the solution and just thinking of ideas, Wendy, how can we involve the boy child? Um, <laughs> first of all, it's really important for us to have the boy child involved, you know, uh, just like it's already been uh, mentioned because they also play a very, very critical role when it comes to, you know, just guarding the safeguarding the, the confidence of these young girls because when it comes to bullying and you know also pushing the stigma the the boys are the ones that are in the forefront you know so um i i i believe in my opinion it'll be very important first of all to have policies or to push policies um forward that would enable you know menstrual hygiene management and you know menstru menstruation as a topic to be to be included in 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 the school curriculum so it doesn't have to be from grade one up to grade 12 but you know between certain grades in a child's life um in a classroom that involves both the girl and the boy to learn about periods you know to learn that period first of all is is a part of of natural uh, makeup of a of a girl child 
you know, and, and there's nothing strange about period. There's nothing, um, there's nothing that is bad about period. There is nothing to do with witchcraft about period, you know, nothing to be, nothing to do with promiscuity about period. I think it would be really important. So for me, I feel when it comes to involving the boy child, I think, um, you know, policies to be put in place that would um, engage both the boy and the girl to learn about period. Um, it, 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 it's just the same as, you know, the comprehensive sex, sexuality education, CSE um, uh, curriculum that has been pushed into the, into the education system. There's been a lot of talk around it and maybe not all guardians and parents could, you know, receive it with both hands. But I feel slowly but surely um, it, it would be, it would make a very, very, huge and positive difference to have um, these policies pushed forward. Um, and, you know, even it's, it's the same with any other issue, you know, that's just as important as period or period poverty or menstrual hygiene management. We do not have to work with the numbers, you know, like, oh, we reached 750 girls in, in Chawama and 2,068 girls in, in Kamshanga in, 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 in Kawe, but, you know, it has to be one girl at a time, one boy at a time, one mind, you know, changed at a time, slowly but surely. And I understand there's we're so many years behind with catching up when it comes to, you know, the girl child. But, you know, just slowly, the, the impact is what should matter than the numbers. So I believe, I'm sorry, it's getting darker outside in the car. But, um, but yes, I, I believe just, you know, ensuring that we, we inculcate you know some of this information into the boy child and the girl child's minds at a very early stage it's just like how we're taught about puberty back in school you know and we'll be laughing at the boys when they say the voice would deepen you know and there's probably a boy in class who has a deeper voice and you start looking at him and laughing at him but at the end of the day it's it's part of the lesson in class and the teacher will say don't laugh at him you know don't laugh at him even you one day you know the girls they'll start having boobs they'll start having bigger hips and so on and so forth it was you know it was funny for a few minutes in class you laugh about it but at the end of the day you have learned and you know even when we grew up even though it was strange we still understood oh this is what we learned about at school uh so yeah i i really believe policies should you know be put in place to to ensure menstruation is um taught both to the girl and to the boy because i mean because of culture sorry devil <laughs> because of cultures we wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't bank on families to say oh you know at home let the mom talk to them about period that would be great if certain moms would adopt that but you know culture we don't want to to throw it in people's faces and shove it down their throats to say you just have to do this because that's something you cannot do but I think once it's it's welcomed in the schools slowly but surely we'll be able to see some positive difference so schools are the vessel conversations can start in schools but I just want to challenge now my people here. Um, we are adults now. We are experiencing some level of period poverty as adults. And we are dealing with the boy child, but our age boy child stigmas and whatever. Um, how do we have now those conversations with our age mates who still have that mentality. It's easy to say we can bring up girls like this, we can bring up boys like that, but currently we are the adults and we are still going through it. So 
Agnes, I'm throwing that one to you. <laughs> okay, so huh, as an adult, I think the first step is sometimes even as women, we fail to acknowledge that period poverty exists. Even as women, we shun away from the topic. We will, you know, try to give uh, periods a funny name, you know, anti-flow, busy bee, moon, what, what, you know, like it starts from us. So if we're ashamed, how do we get our male counterparts to join in this fight against uh, period poverty? So I think it should start with us accepting and admitting that this is a problem and it needs to be addressed. So once we acknowledge that it's a problem, then we'll be able to start having those conversations with our colleagues. So if I'm shy and I'm not able to talk about periods and I'm giving it a funny name, uh, what, what did Namtula call it? The witch, the red witch or something? It's like, oh, the red witch, you know, happened or whatever. Then that is part of the problem from the women because these are our grandparents, these are our aunties who are giving us these names, Auntie Flo. So if we just accept that it's there, it's real, then from there we call it what it is. Oh, I'm on my periods. Okay, I'm going to the mall, I'm going to buy pads. So let's start having open communications with our male counterparts. Be honest, be free. If there's no water at work, you tell them, I cannot stay because I'm on my periods and there's no water in the toilet. So if there's no water in the toilet and you want to be strong, you know, I'm a lady, I'm cool, I'll just keep it quiet. That's where the problem starts. So if you can mention periods, even in a board meeting, so there are certain workplaces. These are beautiful, you know, office space and everything, but then upstairs is no water. And then we have these beautifully dressed women. They're in the boardroom. They're on their periods. They've got nowhere to change their pad. They're expected to be in the office from morning to evening. And they're in a meeting and they can't address it. They're not talking about, you know, okay, I'm suffering in this department. There's no water and I'm on my periods. So this is actually period poverty. I'm suffering, so I can't stay. So we need to start having honest, open conversations. Accept that it's happened, it's real. This is what it is, it's a period. Let's not give it funny names, let's not give it codes, and let's learn to communicate as open as we can. Let's be honest with our male counterparts. I think now as an adult, it's very easy for me to talk about periods. When I was young, I'm the only girl in a family of six. So with five brothers, I had all sorts of codes names with my grandma, my mom. It's like, mom, it's that, whatever, like different names so that my brothers shouldn't know that I'm on my periods. And I remember an aunt once told me that once your brothers know that you're on your periods, you go mad. Like if they see your periods, if you mess your dress and they see blood, you're going to go mad. So now this is me, the only girl in the house with five boys. I was always scared. I couldn't talk to my brothers about my periods. And when my brothers got older and started work, parents are not home. I can't ask for money for pants from my elder brother because he cannot hear the word period. Okay, but then now that I'm older, I'm very confident. I will talk about periods anywhere, everywhere. If I need to go and buy pads, I'm at work or I'm with my brothers. I just simply say, oh, I'm going to the shops and I'm going to buy pants. I'm not going to give it a funny name. I'm going to buy biscuits. Let us be open, let us be honest, let us have those uh, candid conversations and let it start with us. Let us acknowledge that this is happening. Period poverty is real and it affects all of us. So when, when we start from there and we acknowledge that it's real and it's there and it affects us, 
then we'll be able to communicate with our male colleagues. I was going to share a little bit, but I see Wendy, you have your hand up. I don't want to take that thought away from you. Come on with it, Wendy. Come on with it. Thanks, Devo. I just wanted to echo Agnes's words and say, I think it, it would also really help for us to have, you know, people like Agnes share their stories. Because I feel like, um, you know, in as much as we don't want to admit it, there's so many other girls who are very much convinced and still being told these stories, like Agnes has said. But just hearing her share her story, you know, and here she is, you know, it, it would really help change the mindset of one girl out there. And she would begin to, you know, be confident about her period and, you know, just... Um, freely talk about it but also when you when I feel you know because she talked about purchasing and buying pads I feel like I mean there's there's been times when I've gone to a, you know a store to buy pads and you know the person in the store wants to put it in black three black plastic bags and a newspaper and you know and I've, I've had to tell them no I'm going to carry it in my hand because home is just there, you know? So, so I feel like, you know, just like as Agnes has put it, I think it's really important for us to just be confident about it and share these stories with as many girls as possible. For myself, as someone who's privileged enough uh, to work with girls directly, I feel like this is something that, you know, it gives me a place to, to ensure that I just talk to these girls and tell them, you know, if you speak to your brother or you speak to someone that you're on your period, nothing will happen to you. It, it's okay. And, you know, you can buy pads any day or, you know, any time of the day without without having to fear anything. So, yeah, thanks, Agnes, for opening my mind up to, you know, just ensuring that we are role models and having these conversations with the girls just to motivate them. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that. Namutula, please jump in. So I, I wanted to add, um, when you talk about conversations with the adult boy child now, you know how... Even when you are having a cranky day, a man will walk up to you and ask with a lot of impunity, yeah? like the audacity to just get up and want to link me having a bad day to periods. So one time I'm sitting in a restaurant and this girl is feeling low, she's having a bad day and she's in the company of males her friends, her peers, and they, they, they start passing around these very silly sexist jokes about periods why so moody are you on your periods why are you so moody are you this and can you hear me you can hear me now okay great so yeah i one of the things that we need to do as a uh, uh, period advocates now is to ensure that we shoot down these sexist jokes about periods because they are also adding on to the stigma they're adding on to the shame i do not expect a man who's 40 to really throw shade on periods and natural phenomena when he himself has stuff going on in his body so even when we have these open conversations we need to make sure that we shoot down the sexist jokes but also make it known to the men how we feel about them 
passing these jobs because we could do it aggressively or we could do it diplomatically and really just say, look, when you pass a joke like that, especially that I have no control over periods, over what happens in my uterus, I don't like it. Could you not say that? Could you not pass these jokes? And from there, we'll have open conversations. And these men will now trickle down the conversations to the younger boys. I think that will level the field where um, conversations are being held and where stigma is being, uh, being enhanced. I, I wanted to add that. Thank you so much. Now to go back to all your points and I'm just, my page, my, my, my little notepad here is just so full of all the gems that you shared, you know, um, I picked up that you should tell, let's tell our stories. Let's tell our stories. Let's not be shy about our stories and let's say it as it is. I think we need to get rid of the terms. It's time. Um, they have not done us too much good you know, it was just making the situation more secretive and um, increasing the stigma in that sense. And you know what? More conversations with our men counterpart about exactly what Namutula was saying, how it makes us feel. And being aware of our feelings doesn't make us to be on a period or having a bad day oh you're on your period or oh, is it coming oh you know when you were saying that i was like hey shh, i do not like that because you could literally just be having a bad day not on your period far from your next cycle and it's just tagged with that so it means you know the old notions and ideas still have seeds in our minds and we just need to uproot those things and just get rid of them. Ladies, as we come to a closing, oh my gosh, this conversation is so, so much fired. I just wanted to share my story about um, just my experience with menstrual uh, hygiene, especially in school, because, you know, just in, in light of what the podcast is about, educated Africana, as an African child going to a school in a village, Yes, I went to school in a village <laughs> um, on top of a mountain with monkeys who, who, which would come into the bathroom. I hated being at school during my period. So the way it was, the school was on a mountain and behind the school, further up the mountain were the toilets. So when you're on your period, you, you have to use those facilities, right? There aren't any other. And... Um, I think it was Agnes who was talking about like the hygiene and the resources that are needed, like having a bucket or a, a rubbish bin next to the toilet so that you can throw in it. We didn't have that. And every time a girl was on their period, it meant walking out with a little tissue like this and everybody knew your business that, oh, if she's walking out with a little tissue, it means something is wrapped in there and you were throwing in, 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 in the main rubbish bin where everybody throws whatever because there was nothing else. Like that was the provision. So yeah, I don't know. We just need to work on that. I don't think today in this day and age, we should still be having conversations about, or rather not even conversations. We should still have children or adults experiencing spaces, toilets, whatever it is, workplaces that do not accommodate 
women when they are on their periods. I'm gonna let everyone just have their last words of wisdom under the topic. I'm gonna pick on you, Wendy, you'll be next after me. Um, not too long, just something that, you know, something that will propel us to the future. Um, what can be done now? What can be continued on top of everything else that we have mentioned thus far? Yeah, thank you, Tebo. Uh, it's really been a wonderful time, obviously, really great conversation. Uh, it was great to meet Namuku, Namukulo and uh, Agnes. Uh, to, uh, I'm sure they're doing tremendous work in the area of uh, menstrual hygiene management and period poverty as a topic. So yeah, it was really great to meet you guys. Um, but also, I think in my last words, obviously, there's so much that's already been done. I think most of the work is not being documented. Not every other advocate has the opportunity to, you know, feature on a podcast like this and, you know, speak their ideas and their mind as well as they learn from others. Uh, but obviously, from me, I think let's keep the work. Um, it's, it's not going to be easy. We can't say we're going to achieve tomorrow. Uh, there's so much more work to be done. So obviously, let's continue. Platforms like this one, obviously, is one of the ways that we continue to disseminate the information and share ideas as well. Uh, but to Namuklo and Agnes and to everyone else who's listening to the podcast, um, I just want to encourage all of us to, first of all, ensure that menstrual hygiene management is as inclusive as it can be, because in as much as it's affecting the girl child, it's affecting everyone else um, around them, uh, but especially the girl child who's, you know, um, living with a disability. Because like you you shared your really, really funny yet intriguing story about how you'd go to toilet on top of a mountain. Imagine for a girl who's, you know, um, living with a disability and she has to do that so it's just as tough on 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 every other girl as it is for for all of us that are trying to ensure that we we change the norm so yeah thank you Tevo. thank you so much wendy agnes uh thank you so much and a uh, pleasure to meet you wendy Teboho. um i'm too late, no. <laughs> from way back nice to see you um, what I would say, just to add on to uh, what Wendy said, on top of everything else, I think as um, uh, individuals, I think we should choose products that, um, you know, there are certain brands that support uh, ending period poverty. So I think we should educate ourselves, we should read up on period poverty, we should look for charities, genuine charities, where we can donate uh, sanitary products, some pads, because sometimes you'd always wait for someone to knock on your door and you know come and ask you for pads. But I think it's everyone's responsibility to be interested in uh, what is happening in our women's girls' lives. So let's educate ourselves. Let's know the charities that are around us that are supporting um, the girl child that are ending period poverty. Let us know the brands also that uh, donate to you know to these charities and that are also uh, fighting. Uh, period poverty and let's continue having these conversations in our homes, in the boardroom, everywhere in the marketplace. So let's just continue having having these conversations. Thank you so much, Agnes. Namutula. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share such a platform with uh, fellow advocates. And uh, yes, it was good seeing 
Agnes, after such a long time, we actually went to high school together. So that's how far back we go. Uh, Wendy, it was a pleasure to meet you and listen to your ideas and just uh, your intriguing conversation. Um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, disability because that is something that actually also touches my heart and which is why personally I've extended a hand to girls living with autism in particular because I really think in all this uh, advocacy and sharing of uh, uh, of sanitary pads, we have forgotten about the girl with uh, disabilities. But ultimately, what I wanted to add, I think Agnes and uh, Wendy have pretty much said, um, said it all, but I wanted to just add that we need to always remember that at the end of the day, period poverty doesn't just affect one person but it affects us all because it enhances the inequalities that a nation will face. It enhances the inequalities that communities will face. Uh, I think, Taboho, you said earlier that it also uh, enhances cyclic poverty because when a woman is not educated in a home, she's not educated as a girl because she had to drop out due to period poverty and now she becomes this woman who's illiterate, who's uneducated, who's vulnerable to HIV, vulnerable to GBV and all these other things. So it becomes a long uh, non-ending cycle. It's a bottomless pit that uh, we keep throwing uh, a lot of vulnerable women in. But the moment we wake up and realize that this affects us all as a whole, as a society, as a nation, I think we'll make a lot of strides in our fight against period poverty. I think in a nutshell, that is what I would say. Thank you so much to my guests. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Agnes. And thank you, Namutula. As we close this conversation, to the person who's listening, I bring you to this. I just want to say that, you know, it's been mentioned that periods are a natural, natural phenomenon. And it's quite magical that a woman goes through this cycle every month for X amount of years. And it also is an indication to the vessel of life. And without such experience in the body of a woman, we wouldn't all be here. So to remove the stigma, let's just start seeing period as this magical thing that, you know, for the time being hasn't become a seed, but it's an indication of what it could be and remove it from, you know, um, mood swings and all the things that come after that. The other thing I want to bring up to the listeners, and especially in our government, if we can give condoms for free, which assist with a choice of being sexually active or not, then we can give pads for free, which assist and natural and nothing that is of choice. So let's start pushing the agenda of giving pets for free as much as we do give condoms for free. With that, this is the Educated Africana. Thank you so much for listening. I am Tevohokan Gote. Until next time, thank you. Be part of the solution. Talking is not enough. We need action. So I am challenging you today. What are you going to do about what you just heard? 
Tell us all about it on social media. Tag at Africana Women or hashtag Educated Africana. The Educated Africana is part of the Africana Women podcast network. Subscribe, review, and share this episode to help us keep the conversation going. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at Africana Woman or hashtag Educated Africana. Catch you next week. 